Hey, everybody, and welcome to Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis, the show that takes you on a deep dive into the happenings of the hospitality industry. Now, sometimes there's a focus on culture, and sometimes there's a focus on travel trends, and sometimes there's a focus on passion projects, but it all comes back to the industry. Now, for those of you who are new here, welcome, and a little bit about me. Um, I've been covering the food, beverage, and hospitality scene for the last 20 years through a variety of outlets, print, online, TV, radio, podcasts, and social. And if you live in the DC metro area, then you are familiar with the list, areyouonit.com, uh, the online e-zine that tells you about everything happening in the restaurant industry, food and wine promos, happenings all around the city. And every Sunday, you tune into Foodie and the Beast, DC's only food and wine radio variety show. We just celebrated 14 years on air on 1500. And of course, you follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, well, Twitter for the moment. I don't know what's next with that one, but I'm still on all of it. Uh, and here we are with Industry Night in our seventh year, and we now do it out of the gorgeous wine lair, the private wine club in downtown Washington, D.C. So, my goodness, uh, the city is just vibrating with activity. It's like a starter gun went off after Thanksgiving and was like, go. And everybody was like, okay, let's go. So here's a couple of things that I've been doing. So I checked out the super cool Mayflower Club. Now this is a total nightclub. Um, it's like a shake your tush till it hurts kind of nightclub. Multiple floors, lots of music, um, great Instagrammable moments. But there's sort of a cheat here. You do not have to wait online to get into this club because there happens to be an amazing restaurant downstairs. I kid you not. This adorable chef, Alex Orderay, he does the food there. I'm talking things like seafood towers and caviar, lovely fish dishes. I had a pasta dish covered with truffles. I, I was not expecting anything, and I was just so impressed. So I'm not telling you to go run there, but I'm saying if you want to go out on a night with the girls or the guys or you're looking to get some music in your life, this is definitely a place to go to, and there is food with it to boot. Um, I am a huge, huge fan of Chala Onel. She's of the Green Almond Pantry, and this is tucked away on Gray Street. Like You have to really want to find it to get there, but I'm begging you to. So Chala does incredible Mediterranean cuisine. You can sit there. There's a few spaces for seats, but most of it is for you to take away. It is by far the best focaccia in the city, hands down. Like thick and lush and oily and chewy and yummy. It's so good. Um, her salads are amazing. My advice is to get the sampler, um, the gigantic beans with um, fresh herbs or the little lentils, gently dressed with a vinaigrette. Um, she does a lamb kofta sandwich that is just like wants to warm you up on a cold day. Um, and I came home with tubs of hummus and vats of her Sicilian meatballs, which I just keep in the freezer. So on that night when I don't feel like cooking, I just defrost that and cook it up. Um, so um, I have been eating well. Now, I did get an etiquette education from the family that defines etiquette. Lizzie Post, she is the great, great granddaughter of Emily Post. And she has a new book that deals with how we use our manners today. So we sat down for lunch at the Greenhouse Restaurant, which is in the Jefferson Hotel. Uh, the chef thrilled us with a multi-course menu, lots of great wine. But the group really got to pepper um, Lizzie about etiquette today. And here's what I really came away with. 
Etiquette is not an elitist thing. It is not just for those who have money or for those who think they know. Good manners is for everyone and it starts with kindness. So um, that's what I took away from her. And we had such a great conversation and I'm so excited because she's gonna join me on a future industry night in the new year. Lastly, I stopped by the unveiling of the holiday decorations at the Briggs Hotel. I love holiday parties, and this was my first one of the season, and it was a total who's who of DC's party circuit. Lots of great outfits, lots of great looks, lots of cocktails. Um, but really why I was there, and I mean, I do love a party, was because of the guest of honor. It was a jeweler, Alexis Bittar. Um, I'm a total fan and a collector, so I got to meet him and talk about his new purse line and wares. Um, and if you haven't been down to the Riggs Hotel, it is definitely a great place to check out. I mean, I have to brag, my son Sam is the beverage manager at, uh, not beverage manager, he's in beverages at Silver Lion, the hoity-toity uh, cocktail bar downstairs. Okay, so enough about me. You can find about all that I've been doing uh, on my social media at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S. Um, of course, you're going to check it out also on the list, are you on it.com because all those Christmas parties are on there. Also including every opening that has happened because all these restaurants are opening up and holiday activations. So speaking of holiday activations, um, holiday markets are totally a thing. Uh, years ago, DC didn't have a single market dedicated to local makers um, and craft artisans. Uh, in fact, my family used to go up to New York City for them. Um, so now our cup runs over uh, and Julie uh, Greenstein is here. Um, she is one of the co-founders of really one of the best pop-up markets in the region, Urban Market. It's upscale, it's well curated, lots of handmade things and vintage items. Um, and it's popping up now at the Hotel Washington and at Mosaic, Mosaic District. So uh, Julie's here to talk with me today and she brought with her uh, Crystal Ellis of the Birdwatcher Spiritual, Stone, Spiritual Stones. And I'm excited to find out how Crystal uh, got into stones because her name is Crystal. I wanna know which came first, I'm dying to know. Um, Tara Saunders, who is the creator and co-founder of Della Terra Organics, who has an amazing story. And uh, Sebastian Triver, who is with Black Eyed Susan Spice Company. It's going to get a little hot at the end of the show when we talk to him. Okay, so uh, Julie, I want to talk about sort of this trend of markets and how you and Debbie got into it. Yeah, so as you said, several years back, we realized that in DC, there weren't too many markets and you could go to New York, you can go to Philadelphia and find some great handmade markets. Um, but we thought there was definitely a hole here in DC. And so we decided we wanted to start this here and it really took off and we've been doing it for about nine years now. And we have amazing vendors. Um, and as you said, it's a very highly curated market, um, handmade and vintage items and we like to call it an Etsy Live. So think about Etsy, but you can actually go into the market, talk to these great uh, makers and find out their stories and actually touch the items and see what you're getting before you're buying. Well, so when you guys started, when you came up with the idea and you were like, why don't we have one down here? How did you go about, it's like, it's like chicken or egg. Did you have to find the makers and creators first or did you have to find the places to activate them? So we did a lot of research. We actually went to Etsy local 
and started looking for vendors there. And at the same time, we were looking for some great locations because we wanted the two to come together so that we can have um, great locations to offer our vendors. But we came up with a great list of vendors to start off with, and it's it's just grown since. And we we really like our vendors are incredible. And not only do we I we have these vendors coming to our markets, but I buy so much from these vendors. I was just terror like right next to um, my bedside is your aches and pains bombs that I just keep there, you know, too to use whenever I need it. And Crystal, you know that my arm is full of your bracelets. So, and this is with all my vendors, I just go around and shop because it, they're so amazing and it's just hard to resist their items. Well, so for the holidays, I know you're going to be in multiple locations. Can you give us a little walkthrough of what people can expect at like how Mosaic differs from the Washington Hotel? Yeah, so Mosaic is in Virginia and it's a great development area. Um, tons of restaurants, tons of great shops. And we have there on December 17th and 18th um, from 11 to 4. We have 65 plus vendors out there. And then also on December 18th, 17th and 18th, we'll be in the Hotel Washington from 11 to 4. And in both locations, Santa will be visiting. So you can bring your kids and have them meet Santa. Um, the Hotel Washington has some special um, drinks just for the pop bar pop up some special holiday drinks. So it's really festive and it's decorated beautifully. Um, and for any information, you can go to our Instagram, which is urban without an A, U-R-B-N market. And also um, our uh, website, which is urban, again, without the A, market.com. And this is for people who want to shop, but also uh, makers who are interested in participating in future events um, should follow us and they can find out about events because we have events throughout the year. Right. I was going to say, like, you, you've, you're taking this annually. Like, it doesn't just have to be holidays. There's always a reason to buy something that's locally made or, you know, buy a craft artisan. Exactly. Yeah, we have markets throughout the entire year in the D.C. area. That's amazing. Okay. So um, we'll get back to you in a little bit. But I'm okay. going to bring in first Crystal, Crystal Ellis, a bee bird watcher, spiritual stones. Hi, how are you? Great. So I wasn't making fun of you, I swear to God. That's <laughs> your information. I was like, so Crystal does crystals. I'm like, tell me more. I need, I need more. Tell me more. And it's so funny. Once again, thank you for having me. But it's so funny because I have to keep my ID while I'm vending at Urban Market with me. Because by the time people check out and they go, so what's your name? And I go, Crystal, they never believe me. So I always have to pull out my ID and prove it to them. But um, yeah, I really enjoy being a vendor at Urban Market. And I think I've been doing it for almost as long as I've been in business. Uh, so, well, let's hear about your business. How did you get into Stones? Well, one, you know, I think it was a godsend because my name is Crystal. I don't know if my parents knew that or not, but it all really started in 2014. My girlfriend invited me to the Oprah Find Your Passion conference. I did not want to go. We had okay. no bleed seats and I was like, why did you drag me here for two straight days? But I really did learn a lot from Miss <laughs> Oprah and that you should always kind of like 
follow your passion, do things that you are in love with instead of trying to kind of live in fear and maybe just um, go with a routine every day, kind of shake it up. So like I said, I've always I've always been into jewelry and I love Alexis Batar. So I was really excited to hear that you actually got to meet him. And I've always been into jewelry. And um, I started with one class and a couple of strains of beads and I was mm -hmm. giving them for gifts and people were like, oh, I want to buy. And I was like, no, I don't sell. I just give. And it was one sale in 2014 and I've been in business ever since. So that's how I got started. I now travel the world to find beads, find different makers in Portugal and in Greece. So, and I bring that all back to the urban market where I meet tons and tons of people. And like I said, I am really happy to say that a lot of people in DC now have the bird watcher on their wrist. <laughs> well, so let's talk about that because it's not like you're just doing jewelry. Your mm -hmm. stones have meaning yes. and, and health qualities, mm -hmm. and wellness qualities. So, you know, I think maybe like 10 or 15 years ago, that would have been a little too woo-woo for people. But I, I really do believe that in today's world, a lot of people are a lot more open to uh -huh. the healing prophecies of crystals and, um, you know, putting it out, like, just like how you went to Oprah's conference, you know, like you went thinking it wouldn't give you anything and now look what it's given you. So yeah. can we talk about how that part parlays mm -hmm. in your business? So I always call it medium woo-woo. Like we're almost there. I kind of like take people who might be a little standoffish and bring them halfway. So we're medium woo-woo. And <laughs> I always tell them the way I have my stand set up is that you walk in, I greet the people and just tell them to browse and really see what calls out to them. And then they read the metaphysical properties of the stone. And when they connect, I can tell you I've had tears, I've had hugs, I've had a lady buy probably $300 worth of jewelry for another complete stranger, hugged, prayed in my tent. It was just interesting. But um, I always say it's a fun experience. It's not like a regular sale. And usually I know a lot about my customer by the time they leave out. <laughs> but, well, so, I mean, I'm not a customer at the moment, but mm -hmm. like, what is it about some of these stones? Mm -hmm. what, what are you sharing with people? Mm -hmm that engages them in such a way? Like what can the stones do for anybody? Anybody here on the panel today? Yeah, and I tell people all the time, there's a long history of the metaphysical properties of gemstones being interpreted, even from the Bible. And it's like, I think it's like 1400 references to gemstones just in the Bible. And so when people come in, I'll let them know like the different colors and what they mean. But like, I'll show them and most people know, they know like rose quartz means love and like black onyx pulls out negativity. But my, I think, my uniqueness in the market is that I love to find very rare stones. So even when people are, oh, I just like rose quartz and that's the only one I know, or I know amethyst. Uh, when they see like a seraphonite or a citrine or <laughs> some other like hawk's eye, something really unique, they get really excited. And I really think that I have introduced learning about crystals to people who would just see a pretty bracelet and by that, I always say I want to be like medium woo-woo, but have a very great fashion product, but also introduce them to the metaphysical. So when it comes to the metaphysical and your product, mm -hmm. is there work that needs to be done by the, per by the wearer? So like if I 
or to buy a bracelet or earrings or a necklace, what, what is the care that has to be given to that stone? So I'll, I tell people that they can do a lot of things. They can cleanse with sage. Um, they can also use the moonlight. Now that's leaning over a little bit past medium woo-woo, but a lot of people know that. So um, um, I give instructions on how to actually, like with black onyx, that's one of the gemstones that you really have to take off because it is pulling some negativity out. And sometimes that freaks people out a little bit, but then they get it. And then there's some that never need to be cleansed at all, like citrine and a rare stone. This is it right here. It's called kyanite. It's a beautiful, beautiful stone. It never needs to be cleansed because it never holds any negative energy. So it's kind of interesting to see someone come in, maybe just looking for a present or a gift for someone. And I'll say, so tell me about the person. And they just light up to tell me about like how fantastic their mom is or if they're going through any type of like breakup or if they just landed a new job. And they kind of celebrate it with purchasing a new gemstone bracelet. That's amazing. And let's, so are bracelets your big go-to? What talk, talk about the kind of options that you have. So I have bracelets. I have um, sterling silver jewelry. I met a Armenian silversmith and we work together. I don't know if you can see these or not. Like, oh, these aren't the silver ones. But I do earrings. I do kind of campy jewelry, a lot of hamsas, evil eyes. Um, and I just added to the collection um, some sustainable grocery totes that says sustainable gangster and namaste and chill. So I think a lot of people enjoy um, my selection because it's, it's very um, spiritual, but it's definitely a little camp also. <laughs> right. You're not taking yourself too seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Okay. We're going to come back to you, Crystal. Okay. And I'm going to hand over to Tara. Hi, Tara. Della Terra Organics. You also have a fantastic story. How'd you get into the maker biz? So the answer to that question is always difficult for me to give quickly because there are several parts to it. Um, the easy timeline is about eight years ago, I had stopped wearing sunscreen because it is really bad for you. But so is a sunburn. And so is hiding in your basement. Like none of these are healthy options. We need a way to respectfully and responsibly expose ourselves to sunlight because it's kind of important. And I tried my best to find sunscreen that I was willing to use. Like I just wanted something that wasn't going to kill me. And I shopped every page on Etsy. I'm talking like crash your browser level searching. Farmers markets in San Diego, you'd think for sure they've got the answer. And I couldn't find anything. So I gave up. Because to be clear, in San Diego, you have got to wear sunscreen every day. Like that sun is, that sun is out there. Yes. Between yeah. that and the fact that anything west of the Rockies tends to be so far ahead of us on the East Coast for anything health, wellness, sustainability, community based. So not being able to find a sunscreen that was just made from all plants in San Diego was like a huge sign that I just, I just would have to make my own. Um, I think the reason I, I don't think most people go, I can't find sunscreen. I'm going to make some. No, I, they don't. I think the reason no, that line up for me, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, like supernatural for me. Um, but that comes from my unique childhood. And that's the other part of how I ended up here. I, uh, grew up in an off-grid sustainable Lakota Sioux community in the mountains of Northern California. So for me, making everything, growing everything that I needed was just default. 
Like, we went to town, which is what we call the nearest civilization. Um, we went to town once or twice a year just to buy 50 gallon drums of lentils and quinoa. And that was it. Everything else we needed, we made or we grew. So it was very natural for me to just make something that I needed. And from that sunscreen, it just kind of started a spiral effect where anytime I needed something, I'd look at the labels. And this is what I always encourage people. Um, look at the labels, read the ingredients. If it's not all plants, don't trust it. That's the easiest way. You don't have to know the science. You don't have to know the chemistry. You don't have to know what every ingredient is. You just have to recognize, does that sound like a plant? Maybe not even a plant I'm familiar with, but is it a plant? Chances are you'll so, be fine. So, okay, so you go about making your products. There's no products available for sunscreen. I mean, as I, I think everybody here, every day people are like, you wear sunscreen year round. I mean, you know, it's not just for when you're laying out. And as a sun worshiper, I mean, I, I yeah. do need my sunscreen because I like being in the sun. So, so what did you do and how did you put your products together? So every product, at this point, we have over 70 SKUs. Um, every product, I look at the ingredients and I pick what plants are going to do this job. So whether it's sun protection or insect repellent, deodorant, pain relief, stress and anxiety relief, help with your sleep um, schedule, whatever the end goal is, what plants are going to do this job? And I pick those plants and then I start experimenting with the formula so that not only does it do its job, but you get to enjoy the smell, the texture, the flavor, depending on what you're looking at. Um, because if you don't love it, you're not going to use it. It doesn't matter how good my plants are. <laughs> so I sort of picture you like with a mortar and pestle, like just grinding things up. I mean, there's like, a lot. It's, how, it's a cross, how are we doing this? It's a cross between that and mad scientist in a lab. Um, it's very scientific at this point. I'm a self-taught organic chemist. I, any plant might combine with some other plant and get you an end result. I mean, I spent six months researching how to get my shampoo to bubble because people like that, like myself included, myself included, but I wasn't going to compromise on my ingredients. So my shampoo is all plants and it bubbles. And now we have a body wash off of the same foundational formula. So that kind of detailed. And then when we get into things like our cannabinoids, most people would be familiar with them as CBD, but cannabinoids are so much more than just CBD. Um, when we get into that, sometimes it'll be three years of research before something is ready to go. Because I want to make sure that this is really doing what it needs to do. Some of our formulas help with PTSD and traumatic brain injuries. We have people using our products daily for their sleep, for their anxiety and depression management. Um, pain and inflammation, Julie was talking about before. Right. That's a I'm big like, one. That? Tell me more. Top of the list for most people. I would say it's like pain and inflammation, sleep and anxiety are the the most frequent questions we get from people. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm backing you up. Yeah. I'm still stuck in sunscreen. Yes. Like, can we just go to sunscreen for a second and then we can get to Julie's pain, which we'll find Absolutely. out. Absolutely. <laughs> so sunscreen, so what SPF is it? We have two options now. We've got our sun balm, which is more moisture, moderate protection. And we've got our sunscreen, which is more protection, moderate moisture. Both are hypoallergenic, like baby safe from birth. Um, and they're for face and body. So it's just one product all over. With the sun balm, the more moisturizing one, you're getting the natural equivalent to a chemical SPF 15. And with the screen, you're getting the equivalent of a 35. 
anything over a 30, your body will sweat off or absorb before it actually gets used. There's a bit of misinformation out there on how SPF works and what it means, but the quick version is SPF doesn't mean how much protection you have, but rather how long you'll be protected for. And that number is created in a sterile lab environment with no outside factors like human skin absorbing things and sweat and chlorine and salt water washing things off. So by the time you would need anything more than a 30, you've already either absorbed or sweated off the product. So rather a lower SPF that has ingredients that are actually good for you and reapply as needed. That is fascinating. I have never heard that before. I'm totally and completely blown away. Um, Okay, so you have figured that madness out yeah. and you have two products for it. All right, let's talk a little bit about your bomb and then uh, I got to get over to Sebastian. Yes, to talk some absolutely. I know. I mean, we could talk all day about this. Basically, what I really do, like, yes, at the end of the day, we live in capitalism. Please buy our products and support our small business. But at the end of the day, like the important part for me is the education. Sometimes I will spend a half an hour, an hour, even more with someone trying to figure out what's going to meet their needs best. And the end result is purchasing. But the important part for me is the educational process. Um, so on the one side, we have our self-care and hygiene. That's going to be the sunscreen, shampoo, body wash, deodorant, all those things we talked about. And the other side, we have our full spectrum cannabinoids. These are the beneficial medicinal compounds found in the hemp plant. And the hemp plant over the last 50 to 80 years got uh, a little bit wrapped up in some, let's just call it political and social misunderstanding. I think we all know we were wrong in grouping the hemp plant in with uh, some interesting legislative choices, let's say. <laughs> uh, so the hemp plant is actually the oldest written record of humans using plants as medicine. There are 3,000 year old Ayurvedic texts that mention the hemp plant and its benefits. So wow. we've literally been using this plant for tens of thousands of years. So for me, being unable to find a product that met the quality and safety standards that I wanted, but was also excessively priced, um, a huge issue for me was if this is our oldest relationship with plants as medicine, why is it a luxury expense? Why can only a few people afford to use this medicine? So our CBD line, um, and CBD is just one of these over a hundred compounds that we know of, but it's the popular one. So that's how we refer to it. Our CBD line is all of the things that CBD should be. It is full spectrum, meaning every compound in every bottle. It is steam distilled instead of chemically extracted. We're the only brand on the East coast that's steam distilled. Everything else okay. has chemicals in it. Tara, yes. I could seriously go down. We could chat forever, couldn't we? I know. I have so many questions. So good. But I'm so excited that you're at these markets as a way for people to get more access to your story and your products. Yes, we okay, can pick up on this conversation in person at any of our events. Excellent. All right. I'm going to put a pin in you for a moment. Perfect. And I'm going to bring in Sebastian, who is uh, got a very interesting story as well. He is one of the founders of Black Eyed Susan Spice Company. Hey, Sebastian. How are you? I'm great. You know, you look like a really good friend of mine, Dave Coleman, who used to be behind um, Three Star Brewing. You ever meet Dave? Oh, I, I, I probably have. Yeah, run I mean, into you're not twins, but I mean, you, you have a similar, <laughs> you have a similar aesthetic. Um, so, how'd you get into the uh, spicy hot sauce biz? 
Uh, I grew up eating hot food. My dad has always been the type of person to have a jar of pepperoncini in the fridge and everything was usually a little spicy. So growing up, I just would try stuff, have always loved it. Where did you grow uh, up? Where did you grow up? uh, Baltimore, Baltimore, Maryland. Baltimore's not known as like the bastion of like spicy food (laughs) eating. You know what I mean? And North... And nor is Germany the other place that I spent a lot of time growing up. Soft pretzels um, and beer, man. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Right? But uh, but no, um, I just, I started with, when, uh, when YouTube got really rolling, I started watching a lot of cooking stuff on there. Um, and I just started making my own hot sauce for fun. And I wound up with the one that is our main sauce, Death by Chocolate. That was just my house hot sauce that I made for me and my buddy Ron, who's one of the three of us that founded the company, he would come over and eat it all the time and was just like, man, this is so good. My dad was also a big fan and my dad always joked about that I should sell it. And I was like, "Uh, I have a job. I'm not looking to do something else. Um, And then, and Ron was just like, we need to sell this. I bet it'll sell. And I don't have the business acumen that Ron does. Uh, and he was like, no, we, we can do this. And so then over some beers with Tim, the other guy, uh, we just started talking about it. And we, we started the company with one hot sauce. We made a mild version, a medium version, a hot version, and uh, just started going to festivals, selling it. Once we it took us two years to figure out all the regulatory hurdles. Oh, yeah. Getting into uh, the food space up, is not easy. I mean, it, it really isn't. And the the more you go in, the the deeper the rabbit hole goes. Uh, we started cooking in a commercial kitchen in D.C. Uh, they then changed their business model and we were too small to stick with them, um, which was good because when you're really small and first starting out, any place that's charging you a monthly fee to be there, you kind of feel like, well, we're spending this much money a month. We have to be there making product. Otherwise, we're just spending money on nothing. So we wound up making thousands of bottles of sauce and not selling thousands of bottles of sauce just because we were utilizing the space. Luckily, their business model changed and it was actually one of the better things to happen to us. Um, When we got out of there, we had a large surplus of inventory, which for a shelf-stable product isn't a problem. Um, And then we it forced us to evolve. And so... Then we had our own kitchen. Um, now we're actually doing well enough that a lot of our stuff is co-packed right. for us. I mean, that's um, the dream, right? That's the boom. next step, just making sure that somebody can co-pack it in a way that it's up to your standards. Absolutely, because if it opens you up to the ability for if a large chain of stores or something were to offer you a contract to buy larger amounts, you can call somebody and we say, hey, uh, we're going to need th- this many pallets, you know. So can we just talk um, about why it's called Death uh, by Chocolate? Because it doesn't sure. sound like a hot sauce. It, uh, that sounds sweet. <laughs> right. Well, it, it's a little sweet. But uh, no, it. Uh, my dad's favorite hot pepper, he always grew peppers. And his favorite one was the chocolate habanero. And so I always had them around, especially when it was, you know, in the fall when they were ripe. And that's what got me making that sauce. I was like, oh, I want to make a sauce that accentuates this chocolate pepper they call chocolate peppers chocolate peppers because they're br- they're brown kind okay. of purplish brown and yeah they're uh, not like super I made this prolific i don't feel like they're everywhere 
No, you have to, most people haven't heard of the chocolate versions of every pepper. Like everyone's heard of a ghost pepper before, but there's chocolate ghost peppers. Um, they're just more, they're more flavorful usually, uh, more, somewhat more interesting. And uh, Death by Chocolate also has cocoa powder in it because uh, I was trying to do something that really accentuated that pungent, bright smell that the chocolate hobs have. And so I wound up using Caribbean kind of jerk seasoning and uh, cocoa powder for that. To just sort of round it out. Now, so what do you use it on? How do you use your hot sauce? Like you said, your friend puts it on everything. Like your business partner. Yeah. Like, uh, I use a lot of hot sauce. I put it in soup. I put it on some dishes. But is there something that you think like absolutely you would put with your hot sauce? Well, the Death by Chocolate has become just kind of a, a universal topping okay. in my life. Um, I You can mix it with mayo and put it oh, on a sandwich. Like an That's aioli, a great idea. Uh, things like that. like that. But then some like some of our other sauces like red flag is heavily red onion based so it goes on anything that you would put onions on we've ordered onion pizzas just to demonstrate how good it is on a pizza because if it if something already had onion in it it's going to taste great on it because the, the flavors work so well together uh we did a festival up in uh pennsylvania and there was a um cheesesteak truck there food truck and i would just tell people I would tell people, come over, let me put some uh, hot sauce on your cheesesteak. And because, it, again, it has so much onion in it, uh, people were just like, wow, th this tastes so good. So selling it that way, I did the same thing with uh, Bloody Marys and Death by Chocolate once at a convention. There's people walking by with Bloody Marys. I was like, hey, come here, come here. Let me put some of this in here. And sold like five bottles of it to people who were walking around with a Bloody so Mary. how many skews um, do you have? Let me think. We have our dry rub. We have two, three now, Death by Chocolates, uh, Trinidad Time Bomb, Scotchberry Cove. I, I guess we have seven, seven SKUs, seven wow. or eight SKUs. So, and on. how did getting into like markets, like urban markets, like how did that work for you? Uh, honestly, when we realized that festivals were the way to go for a small company, uh, we hit Google real hard and started looking up festivals and reaching out and saying, hey, yes, we are interested in vending. Um, Ron does a lot of the signing us up. Um, so I, I can't speak to that too well, but we just do a lot of homework. You start looking at other makers, social media, see where they're doing things. Uh, the one thing that I've come to realize about the hot sauce world is it, it mirrors a little bit of the um, craft beer world in that where some industries are very adversarial, this one is much more friendly. Everyone sort of seems to try to help each other out. Um, and so you have a lot of, you, you even see collaborations and things like that. So honestly, some of our best um, advice, what we got at our first festival we ever did, which was Sauce-toberfest up in New Jersey, um, I was next to a booth from Annapolis, I think, randomly, even though we're up in New Jersey. And they said, always try to be the hot sauce seller at a non-hot sauce event. And we've stuck with that. We don't do that many hot sauce events because then you're well, one yeah, of many. I mean, and eventually your tongue is going to be like, I can't take any more hot. I mean, there's only so much you can do at a hot sauce 100%. festival. <laughs> 100%. And, and really specifically knowing the other hot sauce vendors, if you are at a big convention, 
Um, don't be next to the ones that are legendary for having the hottest stuff because how is somebody going to taste your stuff after they've been there? So I took that to heart and we've always done a good job of booking events that were something else, urban market, uh, you know, mosaic, things like that. There's no other hot sauce companies there. So, and uh, we've tried to do craft fairs and things like that because that clientele still has people they might want to bring something right. home to, even if they're, if they're not interested. Although most of the time you can convince people to try things and our stuff kind of speaks it for itself. Like we, we get a lot of people buying hot sauce that swear they can't eat hot food, which I find mm -hmm. hilarious. <laughs> but you do. I'm sure if somebody says, that to you you're like come on try me well and that's why we have so many different right. varied uh levels of heat uh because we we want to sell stuff to everybody well, sebastian i'm gonna put a pin in you for just a sec and julie i'm gonna bring you back in you know it's occurred to me while i'm talking with everyone that you know we use the term makers and it really doesn't explain what everybody is i mean you guys are like mad boss entrepreneurs. You have created new businesses with unique products that offer something incredible to customers. And that's amazing. So Julie, when you're like, we were just talking to Sebastian about how he like found you, but how did you like, what's your application process? You know, you must, you're looking for certain vendors. So what's the process like? How do you go about doing that? We are. And as, as the years have progressed um, in our markets, we get more and more applications. So we have to really go through them very carefully. Um, we don't want to be considered just like your average old kind of flea market. They're definitely, you know, we want our vendors to be upscale. Um, we know our customer base and we know what we, we hope we know what they're looking for. And we've really, I think, put together a really good group of vendors and it's not that the same the same vendors are there at each market we get a good variety too we get a lot of people coming back to our markets and then we get new we're always getting new ones and building um but we really we really have uh put together a great group of of bakers and we're really just so proud of them i mean i'm listening to these stories and it really it just it's amazing and all our vendors have these stories and it's it's so incredible to hear how they started and and we see, we, I mean, we don't see the, what goes on in, in the background, but they work so hard at what they do. And it always amazes um, me and my, my business partner, Debbie Sonnenreich, um, of how, how you know, much they put into this to make uh, their product so successful. Well, I always say not everybody can make their passion their profession. Um, but... It seems like the people who are here today, and you too, Julie, I mean, you and Debbie, I mean, you have taken your passion um, and are making it your profession. And not everybody gets to do that, you know? I mean, not everybody thinks they can do it. I mean, Sebastian's a great example, right? He was like, I already have a job. I don't need to do this. But now something that he was passionate about, he's making a living off of. Yeah, I mean, I used to be a, a lobbyist in the nutrition world and worked on Capitol Hill for years. and. You know, Debbie and I came to a point where we were just like, we both wanted a change in our lives. And somehow Urban Market came about and we are both so happy because it's so great to work in a, a creative field. Um, so it's, I feel really fortunate that, that we've been able to do this and it's really become uh, a big thing in the DC area. 
And I'm, I'm hoping that in the new year, you're going to have lots of markets. You're going to let us know like where we can find you guys and how often we can find you. Yes, we already have markets listed on our website. We have some spring markets coming up. We have some new locations that we're going to be at. Um, and so if you just go on our, our website, you can find out the new where the, uh, the new locations will be and applications for anyone interested in vending at our markets. Um, and to follow us again on Instagram, that's where you'll find the news. The, the, be the first one to know. Um, okay. And I just wanted just to remind everyone that these three, uh, these three makers who you heard today will be at the Mosaic um, Urban Market at December 17th and 18th. And actually, yeah. Delaterra will be somehow splitting herself and will also be at the Hotel Washington December 17th and 18th. And you should go out and meet these people and talk to them and hear other stories and, and look at their great products because they, they really are amazing. Great. All right. I want to thank you all for joining me today. I'm just going to hit each of you and ask you, please, to either give me your Instagram or your website so people can check out your wares. Crystal, let's start with you. Hello, everyone. Again, you can find me at www.bbirdwatcher.com and on Instagram at bbirdwatcher. Excellent. And I have a podcast. <laughs> okay, well, tell me quickly, Crystal. <laughs> it's called The GVO, and it's on Spotify. Excellent. Thanks, Crystal. Okay, Tara, where can we find yeah, you? Yeah, thanks. Uh, so you can find us at www.delaterraorganics.com. Uh, it's double L's Great. and double R's. Della Terra means of the earth. Uh, also on socials at Della Organics. Great. Thanks, Tara. Okay. And of course, we didn't get into the fact that your name is Tara and you're doing stuff on the earth. But and I was born on that's Earth Day. day. Yeah, yeah. It's for another day as well. Crystal, <laughs> Tara, I see what's happening here. Sebastian, I got to figure you out. Um, Sebastian, tell everybody, please, where we can find you. On all the socials, we are at Black Eyed Spices. Uh, our website is blackeyedspices.com. Okay, thank you so much. Um, I want to thank all of you for joining me today. Julie, one last time, tell everybody where they can find you guys on um, Instagram, please. At Urban Market, U-R-B-N Market um, on Instagram, and urbanmarket.com is our website. Great. Okay. I want to thank you all for joining me. I'm just going to do a quick wrap up. I want to thank our listeners for joining me too. Listen, the holiday hustle and bustle is real and it is busy out there, but I'm, we're going to remind everybody, please take your kindness pills. Staff shortages are real. Supply shortages are real. Everybody's nerves are kind of frayed. Just remember, like, take a deep breath. We're all doing this because we love each other. We want to give gifts to people that we love. We want to eat with people we love, like the people who are serving you. Don't want you to have a bad experience. So just take your kindness pills. Remember that when you go out. I want to thank you for joining me here today on Industry Night at the Gorgeous Wine Lair. Follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Get out there. Shop local. Take care of these makers who are making fabulous things. Um, be safe out there and have a delicious week. Produced by HeartCast Media.